Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest Internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Here's the issue. Doesn't matter where you live because we, we all have a stake in the outcome of what goes down today in PA. I want to know if you think what I'm about to describe sounds more like integrity, ballot integrity, or ballot suppression and technicality. Here's the issue. The Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, and, and I'm, actually I'm stopping myself already, please don't allow yourself to be poisoned as to which side you're rooting for. Think about it intellectually, think about it academically, think about it in the abstract. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has agreed with the Republican National Committee's position. See, already, you're taking a position, aren't you? I told you not to. The state Supreme Court has agreed with the RNC that election officials should not count ballots in which the voter neglected to put a date on the outside envelope even when it arrived before Election Day. And you're wondering, appropriately so, well, Michael, what does the law require? All right, the law requires that you put your ballot inside one envelope, your ballot, you fill out the ballot, you put the ballot inside one envelope, the so-called security envelope, and you seal it. And then you put that envelope inside the mailing envelope, and that you sign and date the back of the outside envelope, meaning the date you filled out the ballot. Again, not to be confused with the security envelope, because the inner envelope, that which holds your ballot, you don't sign it. It protects your anonymity. You don't put any marking on the security ballot. I'm going to tell you about perhaps the most famous Philadelphian contemporary of all, apart from, uh, from <laughs> uh, one of the Phillies, who made a mistake on that. Now, it used to be that any date would suffice. As I told you yesterday, my birth date is March 15, 1962. And if I signed the exterior envelope and wrote March 15, 1962 in error, that would have been counted. But if you signed your ballot and left the date blank, that would have been thrown out. Kind of ridiculous, right? Because if the ballot has been received by election day, then we know you filled it out during the appropriate time period, or at least I would argue. But it's been the source of ongoing litigation. I mean, human factors, stuff happens. Many people are not following instructions. 
And where the vote by mail is disproportionately Democratic, 70% of the ballots that have been requested in Pennsylvania have been from D's. Well, when you knock out the early ballots, you're disproportionately impacting the Democratic vote. And as Pennsylvanians are now voting, as I am speaking to you, there is still not clear resolution of this issue. And if the state Senate race, the race for Senate from Pennsylvania, is as close as that GOP primary when Oz won by just 951 votes, this issue that I'm laying out for you could determine everything. Now, if you're thinking this only impacts low-information voters, you'd be wrong. I'm looking at a story from today's Philadelphia Inquirer that is really remarkable. It says this, the Philadelphia voters who submitted flawed mail ballots include the CEO of Comcast, a former city council member now running for mayor, and a high-profile lawyer who last year himself ran for district attorney. Philadelphia election officials posted lists this weekend of the roughly 3,500 voters whose mail ballots have fatal flaws that will prevent them from being counted. And the list of voters shows anyone can make mistakes. That includes voters who are among the most well-educated, highly paid in the city, along with some of the most politically engaged. Brian Roberts is like citizen number one in Philadelphia. He's the CEO of Comcast. Do you know what he did? He submitted a naked ballot, meaning it was missing the inner secrecy envelope that I just described. has to be rejected. Now, they notified him. And he went over to City Hall and he corrected it. But some of the counties in Pennsylvania, because we're a patchwork, there's not a uniform response, aren't doing anything. A line of nearly 100 people yesterday snaked out of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office and through City Hall, with some voters seeking a final opportunity to cast their ballot early and others rushing to fix their flaw. High-profile criminal defense attorney A. Charles Peruto has similarly submitted a naked ballot. He was the Republican nominee who ran against Larry Krasner last year. The, the, the other individual who made a mistake is currently running for mayor of the city of Philadelphia. So it's, it's an issue that impacts people of all shapes and sizes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. A state Supreme Court order last Tuesday, a week ago today, that many had earlier hoped was going to settle it for the election, directed the counties to reject mail ballots missing those dates, as well as those where the voter put a wrong date on the ballot. But the decision has since stirred uncertainty among elections administrators over what exactly constitutes an incorrect date. And it's drawn new litigation from advocates who say rejecting ballots over what amounts to a mistake threatens to potentially disenfranchise thousands of legal voters. So on Saturday, the Supreme Court, again, of the Commonwealth, unexpectedly issued an additional order. And this time they laid out dates. They said, okay, mail-in ballots are to be rejected in this election if the handwritten dates fall before this date or after that date. Nevertheless, it's the subject of ongoing litigation. A half a dozen state and federal courts at every level, from local county court to the United States Supreme Court, have issued conflicting rulings in response to court challenges by groups on both sides of the political divide. So it's still in the air. 
it is still in the air. And if this race is decided by a very narrow margin, if this race is decided by a very narrow margin, it could come down to the 3,500 or so ballots in the city of Philadelphia that have been put aside until it gets resolved. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. No one knows the politics of the Commonwealth like Dr. Terry Madonna, senior fellow in residence for political affairs at Millersville University. Dr. Madonna, thank you so much, Terry. It's great to have you back on the program. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So you are you are walking into a heated debate about this <laughs> mail-in ballot issue, the signature, the Correct. date, and so forth. What's your perspective on it? Well, I mean, we've had different court, court decisions, and already uh, the Democrats are in court. Uh, the argument is that and we have to start with this. Mail-in ballots tend to favor the Democrats three and a half or four to one since the law was passed in Pennsylvania permitting what we call no excuse mail-in balloting. If Pennsylvania law has excuse absentee voting, if you will. You know, you're ill, you're on vacation. Uh, This is no excuse voting. And we're talking about 1.4 million, 1.4 million uh, people applied for the ballot. And the last time I looked, we were about a million, a million voters who have already submitted their ballot and they have until... 8 p.m. 
tonight to get it into the appropriate place. And so, obviously, when you have dates missing, Pennsylvania law says it must be dated. And there's a time frame within that debate. And that's on the outer envelope. There's an envelope in which the actual uh, ballot tally goes. You seal that. And then there's an outer ballot that, that has the mailing address to, w- in, to which the a ballot gets submitted. And that must have a signature and a date. And so Democrats understand that the more ballots that get counted, the better they will do because, again, three and a half to four and one mail-in ballot users uh, vote Democratic. And so that's that's the big issue to count dated and, you know, to count undated ballots or not. Right now, the way it stands, undated ballots will not be counted but they are being segregated, meaning they're being separated from the other ballots, uh, I think largely because there could be additional court action. Terry, you you know the margin between Oz and McCormick was 951 votes. Fetterman and Oz is a coin toss. It could all come down to what you and I are discussing. Oh, you're absolutely correct. There is no doubt about it. one-tenth of one percent, that is Oz's lead as you and I speak. Think about that. One-tenth of one percent. And Oz wins the primary. Uh, He got over 400,000 votes. His opponent, a guy named Dave McCormick, got over 400,000 votes. And Oz wins the primary by about 900 votes. Think about that. (laughs) You know, 800,000 votes plus for the two candidates that someone wins by 900 votes. And right now, sure. Can I run a theory by you? Because you're you're the right guy to laugh it off or tell me I might be on to (laughs) something. I still think about Pennsylvania as a state with a rich tradition of ticket splitting. I think about the real Bob Casey as a D at a time of Arlen Specter and John Hines. I think about Gore winning in 2000, and yet Rick Santorum goes to the Senate. And right. now we can't pull the big levered. So let's assume Shapiro wins and wins handily. It doesn't necessarily follow that he carries Fetterman in, does it? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're a ticket-splitting state. And think about this right now. We have a Republican-controlled legislature, as you and I speak, a very conservative legislature. We have a Democratic governor, a progressive Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, and we have a Democratic U.S. senator and a Republican U.S. senator. Uh, the Democrat, obviously, Bob Casey, the Republican, Pat Toomey, who is not seeking re-election. That's why we're having this big battle between uh, John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. So we do have a, a, a tradition, if you will, in modern history of electing both Democrats and Republicans. Oh, how about this one? We have 18 members in our congressional delegation, nine Democrats, nine Republicans. Could you get any closer than that? You could not. So, so Terry, if I gave you a crystal ball for tonight, what would you, right. maybe it's a county, maybe it's a township, what would you mo- I'm giving you a peek at one outcome. What would it be? What do you want to know? 
Well, I would want to know how Republican, how the Republican candidates do in the voter-rich suburbs. The Republican base is largely what I refer to as small-town and rural Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a huge state geographically as well as demographically. And for the Democrats, we're going to look at how what is the turnout in the cities, not just Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, although obviously Philly is the largest municipality in the state, and that's a real Democratic stronghold. But other cities in our state, like Lancaster, Harrisburg, York, Lebanon, I'm, I'm sure your listeners are aware of some of these places as well. So we've got to look at how they do in certain parts of the state. Make no, uh, Joe Biden won Pennsylvania uh, by 80,000 votes, 80,000. He won the four Philadelphia suburban counties, I hope you're seated, by more than one. 170,000 votes. Think about that. He wins by 80,000 total, and he wins by more than 170,000 votes in the Philly suburbs. It's going to be interesting to see because Oz was underwater among Republicans at a time that he won the primary, and I think he's still underwater among voters or damn near close. So I've never seen anything. I've never seen anything like it. Final thought from Dr. Terry Madonna the senior fellow in residence for political affairs at Millersville. What do you want to leave us with? Well, I want to leave you with this because of the uh, big uh, debate between John Fetterman and, and Dr. Oz, which was covered nationally when John Fetterman did not perform very well, to put it mildly. Oz has done better among Republicans. The big problem he faced was that Fetterman was doing better among Democrats than Oz was among Republicans. So in the last couple of weeks, Oz has done better among Republicans, which I think fundamentally is why this election is as close as it is. Terry, it's great to have you back. I wish you all good things, and I hope I see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's Terry Madonna, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So the Chiron right now on CNN says 3,500 ballots being questioned in Philadelphia. Perfect timing for my next guest. Al Schmidt joined the Committee of 70 as the president and CEO in January of this year. He served 10 years as city commissioner in the city of Philadelphia. You remember Al Schmidt got a lot of face time in the controversies surrounding the 2020 cycle and joins me now. Al, thank you so much for being here. I really want to talk to you about this ballot issue, the mail-in ballots and the controversy that surrounds it. Where do you think the starting point should be for our conversation? Well, as so often happens close to Election Day, we get a flurry of litigation and a whole lot of decisions that come down, uh, not necessarily in a timely way. And I think what we're seeing here, as you just described, is an issue where outside groups uh, fought a lawsuit seeking to have our voters votes not counted based on essentially meaningless technicalities. And, and unfortunately, I think that's the right place to start when we're talking about our voters' votes in the birthplace of democracy not being counted. So the the law says in simple terms, you've got to sign and date your ballot. You correct me if I'm wrong, but up until this cycle, if I had a date, even an incorrect date, if and I've used this example during the course of today's program, if I put my 1962 birth date, it would have been accepted. But that has now changed. You're absolutely right, Michael. And a lot of voters do it, particularly older voters and new Americans. Uh, it's likely, in, in some respects, a language accessibility issue. You see uh, mail-in ballots returned where the voters signed them, and then they put their birthday rather than the date. And the reason why the date is, in my opinion, meaningless is the Board of Elections knows when they mailed the ballot out, and they know when that ballot was returned and time-stamped. So the voter dating it, hand dating it, really has no effect on is that voter eligible to vote and is that that voter's vote. But the way Act 77 in Pennsylvania was written, which passed in 2019 uh, and brought mail-in ballot voting to our Commonwealth, states very clearly that the voter must sign and date the ballot. And that's why the courts have decided the way they have. And we're new at this. I mean, I, I, Al, I never thought in my lifetime, this has always been a burr in my saddle, the idea that we used to be absentee for cause only. I never thought that we would see the day when we'd be able to vote absentee the way the, much of the rest of the country does. So we're new at this. We're not accustomed to filling out mail ballots. I sound like I'm, I'm making excuses, perhaps, but human factors are, of course, going to be an issue. I want to tell you that a number of callers have called in during the course of the show from all across the country, and they've said, hey, you know, the rules are the rules. And if you're going to let this slide, then what else are you going to let slide? Well, you're right in that mail-in balloting is a mail-in ballot voting is really new in Pennsylvania. And it was passed by our Republican House and our Republican Senate and signed by our Democratic governor in 2019, even before covid came around, but that COVID environment definitely kickstarted it because in 2020, we had about half of our voters vote by mail. I estimate that in this election, even though turnout will be high, 
it'll be about 25 percent of our voters will cast their vote by mail-in ballot. That could be because the COVID environment is different now. That could be because of all this controversy about mail-in ballot voting. Most people with normal lives have a lot going on, and they're not paying attention to this, and they just hear a lot of chatter, a lot of noise about mail-in ballot voting. But just very briefly, as to your question, normally when mail-in ballot voting begins in a state, it's adopted sort of incrementally. Maybe the first year, 10% vote that way. The second year, 15 or 20%. In our case, we went right to 50%. So there's, there's definitely a, a pretty steep learning curve, and it was baptism by fire for us in 2020 for sure. In this case, this cycle, 70% of the ballots requested were requested by Democrats. So it follows that if you knock out these votes, you're going to disproportionately upset the Democratic vote. Look, you're a, a Republican former city commissioner. People need to know that as they listen to the expertise that you're offering. But my point is that if the primary for the Senate was determined by 951 votes, and in this case, we've got a neck and neck race, it truly might come down to how a court, I don't know which court, rules on this issue. It very well could. And Pennsylvania will likely be deciding uh, control of the United States Senate one way or the other. And with a state as equally divided as ours, with polls as close as they have been, uh, that's, that's a very real scenario that we'll face. And the last thing we really want is a situation where after Election Day, judges vote to count or not count votes, uh, knowing fully well that mail-in ballot votes will go, like you said, 70 to 30 in terms of the party affiliation of the voter. Of course, you never know how the voter votes. So in this case, a number of courts have looked at mail-in balloting in the last two years, state and federal courts, and they've come down on different sides. They really have. And I think that's what's causing so much of this whiplash. Um, We talked a a minute ago about the quick adoption of all this, but also normally there's time to kind of like work out the kinks in the, in the, in the process and work out the challenges. And in our case, mail-in ballot voting, because it is so new still, is is being litigated and uh, being sorted out by the courts. When we get beyond this cycle, the legislature needs to fix this and and be more definitive. Do you think that they will, or do you think that certain political forces among us like the ambiguity of it? So I think you're hitting on a really important thing, and and the and the biggest thing of all that troubles me is we've known that this will be a problem. We've known that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we can't begin processing mail-in ballot envelopes until 7 a.m. on election morning. Other states, including a bunch of red states, like Florida, process mail-in ballots well in advance of Election Day. So starting on election morning, all you're doing is counting votes, which doesn't take very much time. It's the whole kind of tooth-to-tail process, the assembly line for reviewing them, to ensure the integrity of the vote, where you're, where you're ensuring that the voter signed it and, uh, and doing all the rest, that's what takes so much time. Um, so it's, it's actually the integrity of the process that slows it down. It's troubling that our legislature has known about that for years now and has not passed a clean bill that would fix this very 
easily fixed problem. In other words, from a suburban county, I voted by mail a week or 10 days ago, and I received an electronic confirmation of receipt of my ballot, which was great, gave me a level of confidence I otherwise would not have had. But you're telling me that my envelope received a week ago has been untouched and sitting somewhere until this morning, right? And then what? Then what happens? the, the board of elections who received that ballot, that county board, would have, let's say, sorted them and organized them by ward and division. Uh, they may have been able to uh, determine whether it was signed or dated or something like that. But that whole process, uh, even the review of signing and dating it, has to begin at 7 a.m. this morning. So at 7 a.m. this morning, hundreds, if not thousands of clerks across Pennsylvania will begin processing those ballots as expeditiously as they can without in any way compromising the integrity of the process. Whereas in Florida, by comparison, they would have been doing this a couple of days ago. And Florida used to be a poster child of how not to run elections, if you recall. And right now, Florida is really one of the best in doing it. We will know mail-in ballots cast in Florida um, by around midnight tonight. I mean, except for the ones that came in sort of late in the day on Election Day. Otherwise, starting this morning, they began tabulating the vote totals and will have their results around midnight. In our case, it will take days, and that will continue to be this way until the legislature fixes this problem. So I know that you and I both agree that they ought to be worked on in advance, a la the Florida model. But but be devil's advocate. Is there an argument for waiting? Uh, There there is an argument for waiting for counting the votes because you don't want to. And and some states allow the boards of elections to begin counting the votes in advance of Election Day. Um, But the concern is that vote totals, early vote totals would Would be leaked or released somehow. Um, That hasn't happened, but it is a very real like it's an understandable concern that people have. But the rest of that process just the reviewing of the envelopes, the opening of the outer envelope, and then the opening of the secrecy envelope, and then the extraction of the ballot, flattening it. And it takes a long time from beginning to to end. And there's no reason why that can't be conducted prior to Election Day, even if you don't count a single vote before 7 a.m. Okay, so put it all together now. Do you think we know the outcome of the U.S. Senate race in Pennsylvania tonight? Uh, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sorry to sort of um, be cagey about my answer, but it's really going to come down to how close that election is. And a big county, the biggest county in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, is going to take probably a couple of days to count all their mail-in votes. And, and the biggest concern about that isn't just waiting. We want voters and viewers to be patient. But it does. It puts an incredible strain, I think, on confidence in our democracy when in that window between when the last vote is cast and the last vote is counted has really been exploited and is, is an environment in which uh, misinformation spreads. Something I uh, a lingering criticism that I will still hear from callers about the 2020 cycle is how a court allowed an extension of the deadline for receipt of the ballots in the last cycle. Let's just put to bed, what was decided? Did it extend beyond the last cycle? Would it have made any difference? 
It was only for the general election of 2024 or 2020 in the whole sort of COVID environment. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court allowed ballots to be received and counted up to three days after Election Day, provided they weren't postmarked after Election Day. So if you mailed it the day after Election Day and it was postmarked, that ballot would not have been counted. But if it was postmarked, you know, on or before Election Day, that ballot would have been counted. That was for 2020 alone. Right now, the ballots have to be in the hands of the Board of Elections by 8 p.m. tonight. And Joe Biden's margin in the Commonwealth was roughly 80,000. So would that would that alteration have changed the outcome? What if it had been a, a strict, you got to have it in on Election Day, as is normally the case, including today? It wouldn't have even come close. It was, in Philadelphia's case, almost literally a handful of votes uh, that were counted as a result of that extended deadline. But nevertheless, Donald Trump continues to make great hay over that. And, of course, he repeats the line about more ballots went out than there are Pennsylvanians. That's right. That's just categorically untrue. That did not happen. The vote total would not have been the the, the outcome of the election would not have been different, whether those votes were counted or not, because there were so few. And this other sort of political propaganda that we've heard about more, you know, votes or ballots going out than voters is uh, is just a straight up lie that did not happen. And anyone could research it themselves and know that that's not true. So, Al, the takeaway is, I think, if it's a close Senate race tonight, there's definitely going to be litigation about what happens, for example, to those 3,500 in Philadelphia and whatever the numbers might be in counties that similarly had ballots that, for whatever reason, were deficient. There will, and although there wasn't much time between when that decision was made uh, by the court and now, uh, the Board of Elections in Philadelphia and many other counties uh, made public the list of voters whose ballots would not be counted because they weren't signed or dated or weren't returned in a secrecy envelope. And you can tell that even without opening the envelope. The sophisticated machinery that Philadelphia has and other counties have actually weighs the envelope as it's being timestamped. So you can determine whether either the ballot is missing or the secrecy envelope is missing. Wow. So a, I didn't a, know a, that. I had no so a a window of, wait. I didn't know the weight calculation. For example, you know, poor Brian Roberts, his name's in the paper because he's the CEO of right. Comcast, but that's how they would have known that. That's right. It, it, there's the sophisticated machinery that's used to sort the ballots when they come in by ward and precinct. And we have 1,703 of them, as you know, in Philadelphia, can tell whether the envelope is missing either the secrecy envelope or the ballot. Either way, it would result in a vote not being counted. So it can determine that immediately when it's being timestamped. One final question. Am I right in saying that that there's this disparate response in the Commonwealth, like in Philly, they're flagging them and giving you a chance to cure, but not all counties are doing so. That's right. And that was a that was brought up in litigation in 2020 as well. Um, Giuliani and some of the former president's lawyers were arguing an equal protection case, suggesting that because every county did not notify voters that their ballot would not be counted, um, that it created an, a, you know, an unfair environment. But 
every county can do it. All 67 of our counties can do it. And presumably every county wants their voters' votes to be counted. So while everyone may not have the same equipment or machinery, um, they can certainly see whether a ballot has a fatal defect or not, like it's unsigned or undated. And just let voters know. When voters apply, if they provide an email address, then they get an immediate notification if that ballot is not going to be counted. Four seasons total landscaping. That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's right. Al Schmidt, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Al Schmidt joined the Committee of 70 as its president and CEO in January of this year. Wow, that was a really nice, tight summation of everything that we've just been talking about. He really did a great job bringing it all home. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.